This is an ABC podcast. This is the Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. When you're driving, do you send off a quick text at the lights? If your phone pings, do you check an email when you're stuck in the morning peak? What about taking calls? Are you always hands-free? Everything from checking social media, streaming music, some people have even been spotted watching movies on their phone whilst driving. It's everywhere. Daniel Miles, your co-host today. Daniel, I don't know about where you are in Warrnambool, but where I am in Melbourne, not a drive goes past where you don't see someone on their phone whilst driving or someone that's swerving in front of you in traffic and you know that they are sidetracked by their mobile. The thing is, we all know we shouldn't be doing it, but it feels like almost everybody is. Yeah, that's exactly right, Rochelle. It's something that touches everyone. And if you're not guilty of doing it, I bet my bottom dollar, you know somebody else that has. And the thing is, like, we know it's illegal, but somehow it just feels like, culturally at least, maybe this is the most socially forgivable offence of our generation, or at least it's one thing that people are willing to take take a risk with. You know, we've seen adherence to rules like wearing your seatbelt, yep. drink driving, speeding. They've all undergone massive swings over the last couple of years and, and generations, really. So what will it take to get the same reaction mm. with distraction on mobile phones? Uh, are we now part of a generation that's just can't go without that constant digital stimulation? Or are the missives and detection methods out there just simply not working. And it's not just one particular demographic either, is it? When you look around, like I did a little experiment not too mm-hmm. long ago and I thought, okay, every time I stop at the lights or every time traffic is stopped and given the amount of roadworks that are happening on St Kilda Road at the moment, <laughs> let's say I'm stopping a lot. But you look around whenever the traffic is stopped and I would say 95% of people in a 360 degree radius around you are texting or doing something on their phone. And how many times have you had to sort of beep someone in front of you because their head's down and thumbs are busy? And they've missed the light. And it's scary when you really sit back and think about it that we are in death traps every time we hop into a car. We know, you know, it's so easy to become complacent in something that you do every day. You, Your morning commute, sometimes you, you get to work and people have said to me, oh, I got here and I don't know how I did it. I was listening to a podcast and my body's just on autopilot. Um, and it it sort of scares the bejeebas out yeah. of you when, you when you're at a roundabout or you're at a, at a stop line and you look across and someone's doing their makeup, checking Twitter and um, having a smoke all at the same time. You're like, and I do can't we, do it. I know. And do we know the rules? That's the other thing. We in preparation for today's show, read through all of the rules, depending on whether you're a learner, you're a P-plater, or you have a full licence, if you're a passenger, if you ride a Mm -hmm. motorcycle, if you ride a push bike, or if you're a pedestrian. There are so many rules around it. And there were quite a few where I went, oh, I think I've been breaking the law, especially when it comes to smartwatches. So there is so much for us to learn today. There's already texts coming in saying, I use my phone to stream radio. I only touch it for volume. Is that illegal? It takes no more Mm -hmm. attention than touching a car stereo. Who knows? But we will put that question to our panel of guests today. Because do you know the rules? Are you confused? Are you worried about how many people you're seeing that are distracted by mobile phones whilst they're driving. And Daniel Miles, I think the big question today is what can we do to change that behaviour? As you've already mentioned, we've seen huge campaigns that have run for decades over wearing seatbelts, drink driving, driver safety, speeding. Mm -hmm. What can we do? This feels like all of those things combined when it comes to the safety of driving in mobile phones. So what can we do to stop this kind of behaviour, do you think? That's the question. Is it a matter of technology catching up with technology, perhaps? You know, we have so much access to every bit of social media, any bit of digital stimulation. It's literally at your fingertips or on your wrist, as you say. But do we need tech to catch up to this tech 
to save us from ourselves. I mean, everyone knows the old adage of oh, if you're driving, just put your phone in the centre console, put it in the boot so you're not going to be distracted. Um, but <laughs> if you're anything like me, I have to turn the radio down just to look for a park so it doesn't <laughs> take much to distract me. 100%. Um, I have to get so, my daughter to stop talking if I need to turn and there's lots of traffic on. Everybody, <laughs> this needs, mummy needs silence right now. So what do you think needs to be done? Can anything be done to change our behaviour of mobile phones and driving? On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Rochelle Hunt with you in Melbourne, Daniel Miles with you in ABC Warnable. I also wonder whether this is a, a city country thing as well, or if it's just something that happens when you're stopping uh, a lot and if it happens on country roads as much. Mm, and that's the scary thing. Uh, it's very easy to get distracted in stop-start traffic, but I think it's probably also very easy to get distracted driving in a straight line for 100 kilometres an hour for, for hours on end, which is what we do on country roads, and that's almost more dangerous. Jane's in Ascot Vale. Good morning, Jane. Hello there. Look, I'd just like to ask about, you know, the replacement of our malways with the GPS. I felt I was more dangerous driving around with that on my knees, upside down, and than, you know, having a phone. Yep. You sound like you read a Melways like I do, Jane. I think that's a really good question. And you're obviously on hands-free whilst you're talking to us at the moment. Do you feel like, because we're going to speak to an expert in just a moment that talks about whether or not our brain can do two things at once, even when you're doing the right thing and you're hands-free at the moment, do you feel like you're still slightly distracted? No, because I think the brain's always doing more than one thing at a time. We're, we're conditioned to that and... Since time history, you know, people have been putting on CDs, changing the radio station. That, that's human nature. You're not going to change that. We've always done it. Mm, and I think we've learned to do things really different, Rochelle. We were talking just before we went on air about, you know, juggling CDs, looking through printed maps, trying to figure out exactly where you're going. And at the same time, uh, you, you see people pulling up and having a shave or, or putting their makeup <laughs> on or, or having a smoke. There's always tricky things to do. Uh, Richard's called in from Nary Warren. Good morning, Richard. G'day, guys. How you going? Good. What do you think we can do to change our behaviour? Well, one solution for me is I usually have it on the chair or somewhere and when I stop, it usually goes under the seat and I can't touch it until I stop driving. <laughs> so that's one solution, let it just drop on the floor or, as you said, put it in the boot. And that helps you? Well, yeah, I'm very tempted like most people are, but, um, yeah, usually when it goes under the seat or it goes between the console and the seat, usually that, that stops me from touching it. That's it in this... There- I mean, we, we talk about technology. What role does that have to play? I've had people say, you know, just put it on, do not disturb. There's a, a mode that you can chuck it on and straight away. I've, actually, you know what? I've had um, instances where I've called politicians or texted politicians and I've had one who will re- remain nameless for the purpose of this exercise that had an auto response. I texted her and I got a response saying, I'm driving at the moment. I'll get back to you when I can which I thought, Oh, that's good. Like an out-of-office when you're driving. Exactly. I thought, that's fantastic. Until two minutes later when they called me back and said, hey, how's it going? (laughs) I've obviously checked there. (laughs) I like that, though. And this is a part of it. Lots of ideas are coming in. One that says more police presence. It's simple. Just look at the PSOs at our police stations and at our train stations. It's not rocket science. And another saying, surely there's a lot of cars on the road with Android, Auto or Apple CarPlay. Anyone with newer cars shouldn't need to touch their devices. That's Michael in Dantinong. That's interesting, and you see some of those cars with the Apple Play and the Android Play. Some of them have TVs bigger bigger than I have in my house, so I then wonder, is that uh, potentially another distraction? One place that we always like to look is overseas, and Bob from Ballarat's called in. Bob, uh, should we be looking globally to see what might be done to solve this problem? Yeah, look, uh, there was a time that Singapore had a problem with this thing and, you know, Lee Kuan Yew, the great, great leader there, brought in a rule that if you got caught with a phone, your phone was taken off you, it was crushed, put into a plastic bag and given back to you, and I think they got a 4000 or $5,000 fine. Wow. Crushed? Certainly, certainly stopped people using their phones. That's like the Hoon, remember there was the Hoon driving rule and if you were busted something like three times, your car was taken and crushed. And then that fine is huge. But Bob, what's the, I mean, has it worked? 
course it has. I was in Singapore a few months ago, and I drove from Johor down to to Malaysia, and uh, nobody uses the phone in the car if the the cops pick them. It's history. Wow. I can just imagine someone's face. They've been pulled up. They've been on Twitter or Facebook. The cop goes on the window, <laughs> rolls it down, give me your phone, and crushes it. Like, oh, oh, I love I, that it goes into like a Ziploc uh, plastic bag, like a sandwich bag, because that's an annoyed mum. You're like, right, give me your phone right now. Phone. It's going into this bag and we're smashing it. And look, we laugh, Daniel Miles, but this is serious, you know, because people's lives are lost, people are injured. We know that deaths on the road is something that we work very hard at in this state. We're trying to Mm. bring it to zero, you know. It's never a a number that we've been able to reach. And mobile phone use in cars, it feels like that next frontier that we just can't push through, like drink driving and Mm -hmm. like speeding. Yeah. There's a text here that says, this conversation couldn't be more relevant to me right now. Just yesterday as I was driving out of town, a truck coming towards me was literally driving at me, swerving onto my side of the road. I looked at him and yep, head down, obvious and oblivious to everything around him. I had to toot him to get him to take notice and that's from Nicole. Mm, There are serious, serious consequences of distraction and the worst part is we know this. That's the hard part. I mean, a recent, I did my little bit of research here too, Rochelle, and a little uh, study from Monash Uni found that a driver is being distracted every 96 seconds or 45% of the time you're in the car, which is just a a really frightening thing. Um, Samantha Cofield is the Head of Road Safety at the TAC. And Sam, you've been listening to a lot of this. There's more ideas coming through at the moment saying there should be some sort of immobiliser fitted to vehicles to stop a phone from working whilst the engine is running. That's from Chris. And Chris, Daniel and I had the exact same idea. First things first, do you think the average person knows the rules around mobile phone use and driving? Um, morning, Michelle and Daniel, and uh, thanks for having me. Yes, look, I think most people do understand the basic rules, which is that you uh, can't really touch a phone, um, or you can't touch a phone out of a holder while driving. So people understand it's dangerous, and that they shouldn't they shouldn't do it, and that the penalties are quite high. Uh, but I think what you've just really all been alluding to is that. It does happen quite a bit, and I think it really relates back to our, uh, I suppose, our general use of mobile phones. And I've seen some research that says we touch our phones about 150 times a day. It's very hard to change that behaviour unless you consciously think about it when you get into a vehicle. So, Samantha, let's tackle this head on. The rules are there. The rules are being broken. What rules need to come into place? What can we physically do to stop people touching their phones 100 times a day and, and like Rochelle said, putting it people at risk? Yeah, uh, and I think this is one of the issues. I think people do believe that they can multitask. We can't do that. We do only do one task at a time and it takes us time to move between one task, such as looking at your phone and back to the driving task, which is uh, looking at the road. So it's really um, important that we do understand we we can't do what we think we can do, which is lots of things at the one time. Um, Most people, as I said, do know the rules. And what we are finding is over time, people are better at obeying the rules. So we are getting less people talking about touching their phones or using their phones illegally in our surveys. And I think that does have a lot to do with what one of your callers just talked about, which is the technology around Bluetooth, uh, Apple Play, et cetera, is really helpful in using your phones legally and making sure that you're, I suppose, least distracted when actually using that phone. There's a text here that says, I'm a supervising driver for my L-plate daughter. She told me I wasn't allowed to use or touch my phone at all to navigate where we were going. Is this true? Asks Vicky. So if you're a passenger, but you're also supervising someone that's learning to drive, do the same rules apply to you? Um, very good question. I'm not oh, um, I'm not aware of that. Uh, we do have some rules for our supervising drivers, but I'm not aware particularly of that one. Um, the, the supervising driver, if that were actually the driver, 
could use the navigational features of a phone if it was in a commercially provided holder. So it's in one of those holders that you see people using. Um, I've got to say I would have to take that on notice because I wasn't aware of that particular rule. We're talking with Samantha Cofield, the Head of Road Safety at the TAC. Samantha, we've been talking about the cultural change we've seen with things like speeding, with things like speed, uh, seat belts, things like drink driving. What do you think needs to happen to have a similar cultural change with distracted drivings, particularly with people on their phones? Yeah, look, I think we're well aware of uh, the issues. I think we all are as a community and our, our research shows us that. Uh, we also, I think, underestimate how much enforcement already goes on in relation to mobile phone use. We um, work with police quite heavily in making sure that we do uh, enforce the rules that are there. And as I said before, they're quite hefty rules. I think it's uh, four demerit points and $545 penalty right now. So they're one of the heftier rules. But one of the things we have been looking at is uh, distraction cameras. So cameras, um, a little bit like our um, speed and safety cameras that can detect you speeding, these cameras can detect, uh, look into your car and basically detect if you're using your phone. Um, Have they been successful? Yes, well, in New South Wales, uh, they've actually implemented uh, uh, a distracted uh, cameras, distracted driving cameras, and they have also in uh, other other jurisdictions. We've actually done a trial in Victoria, and we've found that the technology works incredibly well. It can do what it says, uh, detect, and we know in New South Wales from their actual run out of the program that it, it is working, mm. and they and so are seeing people then? at the time. If Daniel yeah. is the the camera detection spots him on his phone whilst driving, does Daniel then automatically get sent a fine? Yes. So if we just take the New South Wales model, because that's the one that's actually in place, we actually see that that is uh, exactly what happens. It's just like um, a mobile speed uh, camera penalty. You get a penalty notice and uh, the penalty in the post and... Um, you get basically you either agree to it or you um, defend. Yeah, they're they're quite heavy penalties too. Samantha, stay with us because Greg's called up from Q. Greg, good morning. Hello. The uh, buried in the depths of my foggy mind, I remember hearing of research which showed that uh, people conversing on the phone in the car are more distracted than speaking to someone next to them in the car. There's something about the phone, the technology, or just, I don't know what it is, but that was a, uh, was a, um, a proven okay. problem. That I oh, that's interesting. It. We're actually going to be speaking to someone a little later that specialises in whether or not our brains can split and whether we can concentrate on two things at once, Greg. So we'll ask him whether or not just speaking, you know, if Daniel and I were driving down the shops, I don't know, to buy mm-hmm. a big M or whatever it is that we needed. As we do. And <laughs> am I more distracted by him speaking to me than if I was speaking to Samantha on the phone. I think that's really interesting. Sam, do the same rules apply for motorcyclists? There's a text here that says, good morning, everyone. I'm a motorcyclist and a car driver. When I'm on my bike, I have a view directly into people's cars and the percentage of people on their phones is significant. I've definitely seen an increase over the recent years. I prefer riding my bike because it takes away the temptation as well as a myriad of other reasons, of course, but I'm guilty of it myself. So I can be too, I can't be too hypocritical. I hate it, but it's incredible incredibly difficult to resist the urge to check the phone, particularly when stopped at a red light, and it seems relatively harmless compared to the alternative. I struggle when being pulled in many directions like work and parenting duties. That's from Matt. And there's been a lot of similar texts saying, you know, we're under pressure to respond to clients, to be able to be on email 24-7, to always be on, and our phones now are like computers and whatever it may be. Does that come in to just the huge percentage of us, Sam, doing the wrong thing? I think so. It's it's that 150 times a day we touch our phone. It's not always for social media and social purposes. It it often is that the phone is our workplace or part of our workplace and that we just feel that 
that need to, to check in or, you know, see what's happening. I think we know employers are actually quite good about not expecting uh, their employees to do that. It, it often is our personal, uh, I suppose, desire to get things done. Just, just on that motorcycle issue, it is the actual rules are the same for motorcyclists as they are for fully licensed drivers. So a uh, motorcyclist on a full licence and drivers on a full licence can um, use a phone in a commercially designed holder uh, and yep. as long as you can really operate without touching the phone. Really important points. There's lots to unpack there. Samantha Cofield, thanks very much for joining us on the Conversation Hour. Thanks for that and thanks for having me very much. No it's worries. interesting. There's a text here that says, surely technology can solve this problem. How about Bluetooth that disables all handset functions when it comes to the car? Then you can still use voice activation or car buttons to make calls, but the handset is useless. That's from Tom. Ru- Russell's in Mildura. Hi, Russell. Yeah, g'day. How are you? Good. What do you reckon? Um, oh, just that, um, I've been listening to all these people and just wanted to end up uh, bring two points. But a lot of people that are actually uh, using their phone in the car, uh, use, often driving our older cars, they don't actually have Bluetooth in the car or it's inoperative. So sending them a, or giving them a fine actually doesn't help them to actually get off the phone at all. It's sort of uh, the old socioeconomic uh, impact. Mm. And either does taking their phone and putting it in a plastic bag and crushing it up by the same <laughs> measure, I guess, does it, Russell? Correct, and that's actually why I gave you a call because I was listening to all that and I was thinking, flaming hell, guys. <laughs> it's full on, isn't it? Could you imagine? I mean, these are expensive and if you lost your phone and if it was crushed, I mean, that would be devastating. People would potentially lose their jobs, but but yeah. it's working, though. People are so scared of that happening, Russell, that they're not breaking the law in Singapore. Well, that's true, but again, um, Singapore, I think you'll find, and I could be wrong on this, um, but I think you'll find that most of the actual vehicles there have got uh, rules about uh, a particular age before they're no longer registered, registered, uh, to be registered. Um, so I'm thinking that maybe their cars are actually a lot newer. Um, I could be wrong on that one, of yeah. course, but that uh, mm. seems to be my memory of uh, Singapore. Interesting. Yeah, and newer cars, but it's interesting, Daniel, people are saying some of the really new cars, even the buttons and dials and things you have to press in order to use your phone or whatever it may be or to use Mm -hmm. your navigation, they take concentration as well, right? So they take your, shift your perception from driving and traffic and whatnot. Mm, Well, if not just concentration, they're distracting because a lot of these computers that are sitting between cars these days, it's not just a screen anymore, a radio and a dial. It's literally a computer that sits right in your eye line. Um, It doesn't take much to get distracted. So do we need to rely on technology to control technology. That's that's the scary part. We've got so much uh, advanced technology at our fingertips that it's it's holding us back ourselves. We can't control ourselves. Know, Maybe we need can, technology to do it for cars us. Cars can drive themselves, right? There's, oh. In San Francisco, <laughs> can everything. cars can drive themselves, but at the same time, they won't shut down when we jump in. You know, I I, just, I feel like it's hardcore, right? It's our mm. Singapore's version of smashing your phone, but I feel like that's the only way to to stop us from doing the wrong thing. Is that when you get on the car and you turn on the ignition, then your phone doesn't work. You get an mm. automatic response. Sorry, I'm driving right now. Yeah, and we know that such. Uh, technology exists because we brought it in for the last scourge that we tried to bring out culturally, which is drink driving. And you can have, you know, the engine immobilizers installed there that that won't allow you to start your car until you've blown under zero 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 five. So, yeah, it's a really interesting point. One person who knows a fair bit about this is Professor Stuart Newstead, a director of Monash University Accident Research Centre, and he joins us now. Good morning, Stuart. Um, good morning, Daniel. We're talking about these detection cameras. Are they good enough? Do we have the tech that's needed to uh, to curtail this? Well, I think as, um, as Sam Cofield said, these have been extensively trialled um, in Victoria, but they've uh, also been trialled in New South Wales and Queensland and certainly implemented in those other jurisdictions as well. So pretty confident the technology works um, well enough to provide the standard of evidence for enforcement. 
but um, also it'll allow enforcement at a level that uh, reaches as many people as possible because often as we uh, talk about in enforcement specific deterrence is what's needed here we need to actually catch people doing it and find them to discourage them from doing that and when people start getting that message it might change their behavior we've seen that in many other areas of enforcement once you start catching people on mass it's then what changes the behavior and gets them away from the uh, the risky uh, mm. activities that's right and it's so important because i mean look there's a text that's just come in that says i know uh, a young man out riding his bike and was killed by a driver who'd been busy on their phone just prior to impact. So this is how serious it is. And when we look at the education, at the campaigns that we've done over the years for speeding, for drink driving, for drug driving, you name it, seatbelts, I feel like we just haven't put that same amount of energy into phones, yet it feels like a bigger issue. It, it is. I mean, the, 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 um, there's a, a body of research that underpins our knowledge of risk around mobile phone use. Um, there's been many what we call naturalistic driving studies undertaken where we actually put cameras and monitor people's behaviour in cars over extended periods of time. We're talking sort of weeks and months. And those uh, studies have actually been able to help us quantify the risk of, associated with uh, distraction generally, but specifically mobile phone use. And when people are um, dialing a phone or even simply reaching for a phone in the car, that raises your risk of having a crash by about four times. But when we're doing complex visual manual tasks like trying to text or email, while we're driving, that raises your crash risk about 10 times. So that's equivalent driving around with a very high blood alcohol content. Wow. Wow. So substantial. But the other thing we know too, though, is that for particularly for younger drivers, and this is where the novice driver restrictions have come in, that those risks are even higher because they're still developing their um, abilities for hazard perception and... Um, and uh, and and response to those hazards and being distracted by these things is is even worse for a, a novice driver and that's why we have the total ban for a novice driver in a car based on these this research. You lead to a really good point there, Stuart, because we know that novice drivers and I mean you you have you can easily remember the first time in your car it's white knuckle fear on the on the steering wheel, but. Is it just young people that we need to target mm. with this? The, there is that, you know, stereotype of the young people on their phones, on the TikToks and all that kind of thing, but they're not the only brigade that is distracted behind the wheel, are they? They're not, but um, this is another area of the naturalistic studies because they, they, they fitted this technology to quite a range of age groups. And compared to the uh, over 30s, the... Um, under under 30s spend about twice as much time distracted because they're, they're far more addicted to technology because it's, it's grown up with them, if you like. Yeah, it's that addiction, isn't it? And the fact that we have 30 seconds to spare and we need to check something. Stuart, thanks so much for your time and the research that you do. We appreciate it. No problem at all. Thank you. Professor Stuart Newsteed there, Director of Monash University at Accident Research Centre. Plenty of ideas coming in. Uh, the only way to change culture is to confiscate a phone for 30 days. Give them a receipt from Oof. a package sealed and kept at some kind of headquarters. That's from Tom in Middle, middle oh. Park. <laughs> Tom, you are, you are harsh. I know, but another but saying, Rochelle, what's wrong with you? You need to change your attitude towards this. A crushed phone is not a big deal compared to a human life. I'm all for crushing phones and offenders who li illegally use their phone in a car. So, I mean, I are 100% the reason why we're doing this show is because I know how serious it is. Mm. Whether or not crushing the phone is, is the right solution, but Tara thinks that it is. What do you think the solution is? On ABC Radio, Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Rochelle Hunt with you in Melbourne, Daniel Miles with you in ABC Warnable, talking about what needs to be done to change our behaviours of using our mobiles and driving. What do you think? one three hundred triple two seven seven four. This is a good idea as well. A good rule of thumb for everyone is if you can legally take off your seatbelt, then you can use your phone. Parked, not just stopped, i.e. at the traffic lights. That's a... Well, look, that's a little bit of common sense. Which, but that would make a good uh, campaign, well, wouldn't it? Yeah, because that's one of the other questions I've always had personally is, are you allowed to use your mobile phone when you go through drive-through to pay for things? Because uh, I'm the forgetful type who will often leave his wallet at home and then there's the backup card on the phone. But 
Is that illegal? That's one of the several questions we've tried to unpack as we've delved our way through legislation. But I think, Rochelle, one of the really interesting points, and and I say this as uh, your stereotypical male, is can we do more than one thing at a time? Uh, You ask my wife, she will say no. Daniel, you cannot. Um, But should we be allowed to potentially do more than one thing at a time? We've got Bluetooth in our car. We've got distractions there. Can we physically do more than one thing at a time? Well, a man that knows is David Strayer. He's from the Department of Psychology at the University of Utah and joins us from Utah this morning. David, are our brains wired to be able to talk on the phone hands-free and then still drive properly and safely? No. No. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. And the answer is no. Okay. Right. No, the, uh, the, the brain is set up so that um, we really are only doing one task at a time. Either we're driving or we're talking or we're texting and you're just switching attention back and forth. Really you know, trying to switch fairly quickly, but the end result, as you heard from the last uh, uh, segment, was that it just increases the risk of crashing. Our, our brains, even though we've you know, have all kinds of neurons that are, you know, multiple billions of neurons that are uh, all processing in parallel, our behavior is sequential and we're just switching tasks from one to the other. So we can do one thing really well, but many things not as well. Does it surprise you that we're even allowed to do more than one thing when we're behind a wheel, David? Well, first of all, the task of driving actually requires paying attention to a bunch of things the traffic, traffic lights, the speed, and how well you're driving. So that's a busy uh, enough uh, set of activities to begin with. If you add other things to that task, like, you know, interacting with anything on the dashboard, changing your radio, talking, texting, and stuff like that, you've just added way too much for the brain to handle. And so we just see that it creates all these uh, problems when you try and multitask. You may think you're good, and I wouldn't be surprised if a large number of people who are listening think, I'm really good at it. But our research shows that only about 2%, 2.5% of the population really are good at multitasking. The rest of us, we're not very good at it. So what's the solution, do you think, David? We've heard all sorts of things today from smashing mobile phones to confiscating them for 30 days to come up with technology that will disable your phone when you're driving what do you think the solution is? I mean, those are good starts. Um, we know that there has to be a, a good policy in place, either legislatively or at the corporate level, if you're talking about drivers who are driving for their company. They need to be trained. People need to be trained about what the safe driving techniques are. Having some kind of monitoring in place so you can actually see if people are complying with that, that policy is good. And the last part is consistent with crushing your phone, which is there needs to be some kind of policy to get people so they're complying with the, the, all these uh, uh, the policies you have in place. If you don't have enforcement, people won't pay attention. They'll just ignore it. And one thing we know, David, is that, of course, there's an impetus on the driver. But in you know built-up city areas, we see pedestrians who are on their phones as well. What does that level of distraction do if you're not in a car, if you're walking down, you're potentially, you know, you're on your phone, you're checking Twitter, you're even just listening to music. How do we go about doing more than one thing around cars as well as physically driving them? Mm, really good question. Being distracted by your phone isn't just something that affects drivers. You cannot ride a bicycle and talk on the phone. You cannot even walk safely without and talk on the phone without showing some impairments. We're seeing in the United States a big increase in the number of vulnerable users, bicyclists, motorcyclists, pedestrians, who are killed because of distracted driving, among other things. Partly the drivers uh, of the vehicles that are hitting them, they're distracted, but so are the bicyclists and pedestrians when they get to a crosswalk. They're looking at their phone, they're not looking if it's safe to cross.
Absolutely. And we're going to be speaking to Bicycle Network as well as Victoria Walks about that exact uh, same research that's gone into and the amount of injuries and deaths that are caused, not just by distracted drivers, but by distracted pedestrians and bicycle users as well. Professor David Strayer, thanks so much for your time. Hey, my pleasure. Professor David Strayer there in Cognition and Neural Science from the University of Utah. Let's have a chat to Kerry. Kerry's in Geelong. Morning, Kerry. Hello. What do you think the solution um, I, I is? I was uh, talking about the thinking about the crushing of phones and the crushing of cars as a punishment. It just comes across as a terrible waste. So what's the solution then, Kerry? Mm-hmm. I mean, we can crush them, absolutely. We, would you like to yeah. see these? I mean, we've had some people text in saying, you know, these are very important pieces of technology. They could be redistributed. Is that mm-hmm. something you'd like to see happen? Exactly. Look, all the amount of charities that could, charitable organisations that could um, use the, this technology or a car, if you're going to crush a car, it's probably a bit radical, but, um, you know, the phones... Give it to someone else, and I guess the, the the impact on the driver is still losing their car, but somebody else benefits. Look, it's it's out there, but maybe it would work. Kerry, thank you. Nick's called from Far East Gippsland. Morning, Nick. Good morning. How are you? Good. What do you reckon the solution is? Uh, look, I'm not sure on the solution, um, but I can talk from a very small town of uh, Far East Gippsland. Um, and what we do notice um, is the anxiety level does go up in the town when it goes to uh, tourist season. Ah, uh, yeah. Because the <clears throat> when we're very aware of the 100K zones, um, so we're driving very fast and the uh, roads are very narrow, um, so the actual anxiety level in the town does go up um, during tourist season um, because... Um, you need to veer a foot um, to have a collision. Um, and we do notice a lot of people on mobile phones, even towing caravans. Um, and, yeah, so from an anxiety level um, for a small town, it does go up due to mobile phones. Very well said, Nick. Thanks for giving us a call. Rochelle, one thing that we've been talking about here is... Uh, the youth of the generation, because they are the ones that are on the phones. Um, someone who is in direct contact with them as they get behind the wheel is Laura Kemp from Fit to Drive, a facilitator. Laura joins us this morning. Good morning, Laura. What's your take on this? When people hop into the car for the first time and are learning to drive, how aware are they of their phones? Morning, Michelle and Daniel. Um, it's interesting. I think Stuart mentioned this as well. It's the overarching distraction of mobile phones for young people. And like Stuart said, it's not just the driving that they're focusing on, but for them, they're actually building a lot of those foundational skills. So mixing the mobile phone and having the temptation of it, it is really risky. So how much of your time and energy is spent when you're teaching someone to drive and, and road safety is spent on not checking your Instagram feed while you're driving. Yeah, so we've spoken to about 10,000 young people this year. Um, Mobile phones alone are one of the biggest risks that they come up with when we ask them to chat about some of the distractions that they find that they're most vulnerable to. It's definitely those, like you said, push notifications like Instagram that we've got now, the Be Real app that goes off, you know, once a day. There is TikTok um, and it's texts from their friends and their parents as well that I think particularly they feel vulnerable to if they're travelling somewhere that they need to be there for someone else. So what do you say to these young drivers when they're behind the wheel? Are you putting the phone in the boot? Are you putting it in the centre console? How do we deal with this? Because uh, this is the next generation that's coming through and on our roads yeah. and they are the ones that are most at risk is what we've been hearing. So what's your advice to them straight away? Our advice in a lot of the sessions and beyond that as well is the whole, you know, putting in the boot. We have Victoria police officers that suggest the same thing. Then you can reduce that temptation. Um, But for the young people themselves, we get them to come up with a lot of their own ideas and strategies around that. And a lot of them come up with the idea to be a little bit more proactive um, and positive Mm. in terms of creating a culture with their mates. So telling each other to make sure we put it on 
the drive mode so that we don't have that. Um, and even just chucking a text when they get in the car to say, hey, I'm leaving for yours now. Um, you know, just don't text me for the next 20 minutes. I'll see you soon. That's right. And it's that education around what becomes a, a social norm and changing what is a current social Absolutely. norm. Laura, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. That's Laura Kemp Thank there from you. Fit to Drive a Facilitator. Lots of people... <laughs> very opinionated on whether or not phones should be crushed, right? Which mm-hmm. is not where we expected this conversation to go. Some saying maybe the phone the phone should be confiscated and the driver is fined, but the phone isn't crushed. But if you're confiscating the phone, right, who's taking it, where are you taking it, and, and when yeah. do you get it back? And how do you hold it? How long do you hold it for? <laughs> we opened up a can of worms with the, the crushing <laughs> idea, oh, no. didn't we? It's like you're grounded. Okay, really? <laughs> how long? But bicycles and the same rules applying to bicycles has come up. And Alison McCormack is from Bicycle Network. She's the CEO. Alison, we've learnt today that the same rules apply for bicycle users. But I know I'm not a big bike rider, I must admit, but I see lots of people on phones and the new earpods, bods, whatever those little things are that go in your ears. I would think that that would make people feel even more distracted and less aware of the, their peripheries. Oh, hello. Yes, and welcome to the bike riding conversation about the um, distracted driving. But it's an interesting comment you make. You're, you're absolutely right. The exact same road rules apply to bike riders as they do to drivers. So fundamentally, you can't have a phone in your hand. And I think, yeah, maybe we've all experienced maybe on a shared bike path or something, or myself, I ride a lot riding up next to somebody and you hear them talking and you're like, oh, are they speaking to me? Oh, no, they're they're on their earbuds and they're talking to somebody else. But it's actually interesting with bike riding. So the ear pods actually have functions now where you can hear the outside world. So while you're riding and you might be talking, you can actually still hear what's going on in the periphery. And there have been studies. We actually underwent a study with RMIT in 2010 and the study was about um, you know having earpods in your ears while riding and then it came out that in fact bike riders are actually more aware of their surroundings than being in a car with closed windows we can actually hear a lot more about what is going on in the surroundings so it is legal to be riding um, with your ear pods in your ears. Obviously, if someone's got their music up loud and can't hear the surroundings, that's not fantastic. But actually, many riders can hear the peripheral as well. That's interesting. Alison, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Let's go to Ben Rossiter now. He's the Executive Officer of Victoria Walks. And speaking of research, Ben, you and, and your team at Victoria Walks have done a lot of similar research when it comes to injury or even death caused to pedestrians pedestrians by mobile phone distraction, whether it either be the pedestrian or the driver? We've done a lot of research and commission research um, on pedestrian road trauma generally, and within that it looks at uh, pedestrian distraction. And a study Monash University's Accident Research Centre did for us, looking at 10 years of police and hospital data and uh, an international lit review, and they found what they found is it didn't demonstrate any connection between pedestrian phone use and actual crashes where walkers are injured and killed. Now, people are thinking, well, you know, they think it's a problem and, you know, because in busy urban areas, and I'm in the CBD, there's a lot of people walking around on phones in the CBD, drives me nuts sometimes, but that's (laughs) not where the real pedestrian trauma happens. Um, In 80% of all uh, pedestrian crashes are in Metro Melbourne. And the key thing is about three quarters of walker fatalities are on roads that are 60 kilometres an hour or faster. And you don't see a lot of people crossing 60, 70, 80 k roads on a phone. Um, And I'll just add the other thing is who's been injured. And the long-term trend is an increasing proportion of elderly walkers are those who are killed and injured. So, you know, one in eight of all pedestrian road fatalities in Metro Melbourne are walkers over the age of 70 and they're not on their phones. Yeah, so Ben, we know that obviously the people in these instances, you're much more vulnerable when you're walking than you are in a car. But to to circle this back to the 
question that we've been asking across the mm-hmm. hour is what can we actually do about this? We know distraction is a key element when you're behind the wheels, if you're on a bike, and, and, and there is an element of it when you're walking. What, from your perspective and the research you've done, what can we do to reduce that risk to people so that you, know, you can feel safe whether you are another road user or you are on foot? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think there's a couple of things. Yes, we need to reduce the uh, the level of driver distraction. There's no doubt about that. All the data is saying that's a major issue. But the underlying thing when it comes to walkers is the real cause of most uh, walker crashes is poor road design and bad driver behaviour. So there's things like our urban speeds are way high by international standards and we know from uh, you know, uh, surveys, uh, representative samples across Victoria that most people want to have safer speeds on major roads. They want to have 40k residential street defaults and they want to be able to cross roads. So I think we've got to look at that but also we know as seniors uh, they're not at fault in the vast majority of times they're hit and injured and so it's things like right turning vehicles. So if you think about speed in our design that it facilitates fast car travel and then throw distraction on top, it really, really magnifies it. But I think so I think the key thing is changing behind driver behaviour and the design of our streets and roads so people can get around safely. Mm. Mm. Ben Rossiter, thanks very much for joining us on the conversation hour. Pleasure. That was Ben Rossiter, the Executive Officer of Victoria Walks. Rochelle, he does bring up an interesting point that, you know, we look to technology, we look to behaviour, but there's also design. There are so many elements yeah, in this. that's right. I mean, and lots of people are texting saying, I see delivery drivers on their phones all the time. But then we've just got a text that says, hey, hi, I'm a delivery driver and an Uber driver. I avoid hitting distracted pedestrians several times a day and I'm not counting scooters and bike. That's from Nick. And Chris in Geelong says, this is such a great conversation. Thank you. Surely a phone jamming device can be developed for most non-critical drivers. A fortune possible for some tech head, says Chris from Geelong. And when you look at all of the inventions, all of the startups, Mm. surely there is one here that would work for everyone. There's got to be a tech boffin out there that knows exactly what they're doing and can can bring this technology to us. Um, Tej has called in from Wheelers Hill. Good morning, Tej. Hi, good good afternoon. Uh, How are you? Very well. What do you think the solution is? Well, you know, uh, when we found that a lot of people were being killed by reversing the car, the government introduced that you, every new car that is sold has to have a reverse camera. Similarly, if we were to design the console of the car, then it becomes legal that it has to have a receptacle for the mobile phone to be dropped into that. It has got a clear screen, so you can see, but you can't touch. Mm-hmm. And all the modern phones that we have, they do respond to voice. So you can say, call this number, read my message, send this message. So you're actually interacting with the phone without even touching it. And even if you have the GPS on, it's talking to you. And so I you think you're right, Ted. She said it's got to be designed in in some way because the deterrents certainly aren't doing enough. If we're quick, we can also fit in John in Ormond who thinks it's about technology. Hi, John. Hi there. Uh, yes, I think we have flight mode on aircraft. It probably wouldn't be impossible to have a a drive mode on phones. You get in the car, your current phone switches to drive mode, you get an incoming call, you get the message going back to the caller, driving, record the message or whatever, and we'll get back to you later. Interesting point, John, and that's one we're hearing on the text line as well, isn't it, Rochelle? Bob mm-hmm. from Churchill's texted in saying, car designers and engineers have totally failed. We used to be able to operate heaters and radio controls by touch, but touch screens are a complete hazard in cars. Crushing phones might be the answer, which is another one that we've been hearing constantly, but that's almost caused as much consternation as distraction. That's is the right. idea of crushing them. And here's the reality of it. So a text that says, my husband was involved in a crash involving a driver who was driving and texting. It rode off his car 
he was lucky that the van didn't tip over and onto him and he ended up worse uh, in a worse outcome than other than a couple of broken ribs. It caused huge traffic jams. Some kids missed the start of their VCE exams because of the road being blocked. All of these extra consequences just because of a quick call or a text, something that has to be done. Put phones in an incubator, not a charger, says Karen in Lower Plenty. But lots of people thinking that, you know, it's just time for us to, to shift away from the culture of needing to check something every couple of minutes or every couple of seconds. Tom's in Ballarat. Hi, Tom. Hello. Um, so uh, my point is more of a, a holistic, a broad view on safety on the roads. Um, we've got so many cars in and it creates a huge amount of congestion and traffic. And naturally, there are going to be people who are distracted by their phones in that situation. Um, and because it's the path of least resistance generally is to jump in the car and drive somewhere, um, it would make sense that um, we try and shift away from having so many vehicles that are individually controlled to potentially more public transport so that people can be distracted and be safe. But, Tom, you live in Ballarat. You know what it's like in regional areas. We always don't have the uh, the public transport available to us. Uh, it's a it's a nice idea to not be distracted, but how much do you think comes back to, to personal responsibility in these? Well, there's a huge amount of personal responsibility, and I think that's another cultural issue um, that things like like fines or, or confiscation or potentially like a phone demerit system or something like that um, will help with in, in d- deterring people um, through like punitive measures. But there also needs to be a, a, a some kind of contextual thing that. Um, or a cultural thing that steers mm. people away that's kind of out of out of their control that changes the way that their lives flow day to day. Tom, thank you. And I did find it interesting when Laura before was talking about the focus actually goes on to mates uh, and mm-hmm. those in the passenger seat and saying, oh, no, look, or letting people know before you drive, hey, look, I'm going to be driving for a while, so I'm not going to be contactable. I thought that was really interesting. But in terms of campaigns and the work that needs to go into it, as this text says, it said, I feel like this conversation is about 10 years too late. We're about a decade away from automated driving. Almost all electric vehicles are auto drive. Becoming a Luddite is not the solution. Let's work with our technological innovations. Mm. I don't know how close we are to driverless cars. I mean, that's something that is, feels like it's a long way away. But it does feel like, Daniel Miles, that the answer lies in technology. It does feel that way and there does seem to be some level of responsibility on the tech heads that haven't found a solution so far or at least that's what we're seeing on the text line. But you're right, one thing I did find really heartening was the fact that Laura said her students were making a cultural change. They were making something within their friendship group that was saying, you know what, there is an acknowledgement that this is a dangerous act and that they are doing something socially just within their own circle of friends saying, hey, I'll be there within 20 minutes. There's an acknowledgement of the issue there, which is, you know, that makes me feel a little bit better when I drive home today. So less about crushing phones and confiscating (laughs) phones (laughs) and more about that automated message that says, hey, I can't take your call right now. I'm driving. Daniel Miles, as always, joining us from ABC Warnable. Thank you so much for today. We got there in the end and we we learnt a lot, it feels like, about what we should and shouldn't be doing. We did. And I'm just going to you know, pat my phone here for a second and say, look, you're a very good thing. We, we, we have some great times together, but I'm not going to crush you. I'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then, take care.